Hi, this is Bob Merberg from HiHo, Work, Workplaces, and Worker Wellbeing. Remember that you can subscribe at HiHo.substack.com. That's H-E-I-G-H-H-O dot Substack.com. Today is episode five in our series looking at work through the lens of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. In today's quick episode, we're talking about labor, utopia or dystopia. What looks like a degrading portrayal of outcasts has also been framed as an homage to the American worker. The depiction of the Seven Dwarfs informs modern perspectives on labor in the context of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Here it is. The Seven Dwarves, they work in a mine and live communally in a secluded cottage. For enwrapped young minds, as well as grown-ups along for the ride, Disney's Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs delivers signals about both working life and dwarf life. The meaning of these signals is open to interpretation. Does the movie, one, portray an engaged team of employees who love their jobs and exemplify a great American work ethic? Or two, show a historically marginalized group excluded from the mainstream workforce, degraded with fictional ailments to make their othering more palatable to above-ground society in the same way that, say, modern-day immigrants are stereotyped as disease carriers. The first theory not only contrasts with the second, but also with the notion, explored in a previous episode, that the dwarfs are based on real-life child miners. Today, we look at the dwarfs as dwarfs. Watching the scene in the movie in which the dwarfs are working in the mine, you're inevitably left with the impression Walt Disney simply created entertainment, not hidden messages. You may be right. Just because he wasn't trying to make a statement, however, doesn't mean statements weren't made. Walt Disney, some say, depicted the dwarfs as broken. Analyzing the Disney Company's picture book version of the story, Santiago Solis, now Vice President of Campus Life and Inclusive Excellence at East Strasburg University, notes that each dwarf has a near-pathological physical ailment or abnormal personality tendencies exploited for comic relief. Doc is narcissistic. Sneezy has debilitating allergies. Dopey's unable to speak. Grumpy is a misanthropic pessimist. Happy is overly sentimental. Bashful has social anxiety. Sleepy shows symptoms of narcolepsy. In the course of analyzing yet another picture book version, Solis pierces the darkness that enshrouds the dwarf's livelihood, saying, quote, the dwarfs are depicted as lost souls, condemned to hard labor underground. Apparently, they were sentenced to manual labor in the mines as a form of castigation. 
Their marginalization is central to the issue of how disabled people are often transformed from human oddities to evil creatures with some sort of unidentifiable ailment requiring persecution, isolation, and containment. End quote. Others propose sunnier interpretations, along with some unexpected color commentary about Walt Disney. Folklore scholar Jack Zipes describes Disney's dwarfs as stalwarts of American labor. Quote, Through their hard work and solidarity, they maintain a world of justice and restore harmony. The dwarfs can be interpreted as the humble American workers who pulled together during a depression. It is also possible to see the workers as Disney's own employees on whom he depended for the glorious outcome of his films. Terry Martin Wright expands Zipes' analysis politically. The dwarfs, she wrote in the Journal of Popular Film and Television, represent American workers uniting during the Great Depression when the movie was first released. They tacitly endorse the era's labor movement. Quote, they own a diamond mine, but in the spirit of good social democrats, they place little value on the jewels, valuing instead the hard work. Walt Disney's leanings were socialist, Wright tells us. Through the dwarfs' work scenes, Disney was promoting utopian alternative to the existing order. End quote. I believe Zipes and Wright missed the mark. Walt Disney had a reputation in his early days for holding his political cards close to his vest, but most accounts have him leaning left as a young man and ultimately becoming far-right conservative. He despised communism and in 1947 unflinchingly testified before the House Un-American Activities Committee, naming former employees and labor activists as communists laying waste to their careers. Biographer Leonard Mosley offers a more black-and-white assessment of Walt Disney's views. Quote, his politics, always conservative, became stridently rightist, with his special scorn reserved in the New Deal years. It's the century of the communist cutthroat, the fag and the whore, he once said. End quote. As for the movie's treatment of dwarfism, even the Walt Disney Company now acknowledges its past offenses. Following actor Peter Dinklage's criticism about Disney's forthcoming live-action remake, the company, according to The Hollywood Reporter's Brendan Morrow, responded, To avoid reinforcing stereotypes from the original animated film, this is a quote, we are taking a different approach with these seven characters and have been consulting with members of the dwarfism community, end quote. Resentment among Walt Disney's employees didn't bubble up until after the release of Snow White. Is it possible that, despite emerging as an ardent labor adversary on the heels of the film's success and, according to Zipes and others, a workplace bully who demanded credit for the achievements of his hardest-working animators, Walt Disney exalted labor and collectivism in his animated blockbuster? Such an extreme and sudden reversal seems unlikely. In his own life, Disney relived his earliest job experiences and recurring nightmares. These are a window into his most deep-seated perspectives on work, 
and they compel us to reflect on how early work experiences shape each individual's working life, including mine and yours. We'll step into those nightmares in a future episode.